Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, Stephen Butcher, and joining me once again, Amy Thomason. Amy, how are you doing this June day? Feeling a little chilly because we just got done watching a very frosty, snowy, cold movie. Yeah, and uh, if there's one thing we can definitely say about the movie we are talking about today is that the person who does them really makes you feel the location, and for that, we appreciate it. Today, for your reconsideration, we are discussing the 1965 Best Picture nominee, Dr. Zhivago. Directed by David Lean, written by Robert Bolt, based on the novel by Boris Pasternak, starring Omar Sharif, Julie Christie, Geraldine Chaplin, Rod Steiger, and Alec Guinness. Um, as we always do, Amy, what is your familiarity with this movie? I have seen this movie many, many times. I got through most of the book. I'm, I'm a bit of a... I don't know what the right word is. An Anglophile would be for England, but whatever the one is for Russia. Russ- I, th- I think it's just Russophile or Slavophile. So yes. I, either way. Depending on the year, it probably changes. I have a thing about Russian culture. I love their literature. Yet Dr. Zhivago was one of the very few Russian epics I was not able to get through. And this is including War and Peace, I have Crime read- and Punishment, all of that. I have read War and Peace. I've read Anna Karenina. I've read Crime and Punishment. I've read most of Chekhov's short stories. All very readable. Well, Crime and Punishment is more punishment than I felt like I deserved. But Hello. And I could not get through this book. And yet, the movie is amazing. It's one of very few times where the movie is much better than the book. Okay. I mean, how often can you say that? Never. I, I do. I enjoy David Lee. I really, even his unloved movies like Ryan's Daughter, I love those. Yeah. The man who had a directed film and got to give some credit to Robert uh, Bolt because he's an amazing screenwriter. Yes. He always does good stuff. Yeah, he did. Um, Lawrence it, of Arabia. It, yeah, he did Lawrence of Arabia. It is a, a very, uh, it's, it seems like a, a very ponderous tome to cut down. And yeah. anyone who can do that, uh, kudos to them. David Lean is very interesting because he started out not doing what we count as David Lean movies. He did, uh, I think he did, uh, what did he do? He did uh, Oliver Twist at one Great. point back in the four, Great Expectations. He was more classical. And then he found success with uh, Bridge on the River Kwai, won the Academy Award then, followed that up with one of the greatest movies of all time, Lawrence of Arabia, won again, and this was the third act. I believe in that in this like string of epic David Lean. This is how we are going to remember him, and he was nominated again for this. So it's it's very odd the the tact that success will put people on the path that they will follow when as soon as they get this suddenly they're like I can do this a little bit more. Maybe he just really liked going on location. Not entirely sure, but there's a definite um, definite break between. David Lean movies and the pre-David Lean, but still directed by David Lean filmography of the 40s. I know, though, many of those movies are excellent as well. I saw a brief encounter recently. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like the talent on he display can, he can is do amazing. The small, yes, he can do the quote-unquote smaller films just as well. And I have to bring this into as many conversations as I can. It was his movie, Brief Encounter, that inspired the great 19. 19- 60 Best Picture winner, The Apartment. Ah, there we go. It, yeah. always, it always comes back. Because if apartment. you feel the talk, he says, you know, it's a movie about, you know, an affair and there's some guy's apartment. And I thought, why don't I do a movie about the guy's apartment, the guy who owns the apartment where the lovers have their affairs? Here we go. And there we go. So thank you, David Lean. Thank you, Maybe. David. I don't know. We're still... Uh, long-time listeners know that we have differing opinions on the apartment. I am clearly in the minority, but I am I'm digging my heels in and saying, eh, it's all right. But Dr. Zhivago, while loved and while 
showered with accolades at the time, was not so well received, but it did get a bunch of nominations and even picked up a lot of wins at the 38th Annual Academy Awards in 1966, but it lost to a doozy. And we'll talk about that right after this short break. The winner is Maurice Jarre for Dr. Zivago. Thank you very much. It's uh, a good opportunity to me to, to say thank you because it's, a it's the second time I get this big thing. And I would like to say uh, to every member of the Academy, thank you. But I don't forget my musicians. Thank you very much. And David Dean, because it's the second one also. <laughs> The 38th Annual Academy Awards in 1966 was a doozy of a competition between two acclaimed and well-received and highly successful movies that featured pretty scenery, shall we say. The, ul the ultimate winner was The Sound of Music. Uh, former former co-host Alex and I discussed that movie back in 2016. I remain. I retain that it is two thirds of a good movie, and that the music is unquestionably one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. Uh, just amazing. But the the rest of the movie is kind of, uh, and it's it's like love. It's a crappy love story, and then the Nazis show up, and you're like, oh, this took a turn. I don't get what's <laughs> happening. But uh, Amy, what is what are your thoughts on the sound of music while we're here? It's hard for me to really judge it objectively because I've seen it at least once a year since I was little. But like even, you know, my friends and I used to play The Sound of Music. We used to reenact the 16 going on 17. I always got stuck as being the guy because right. I was taller than my friend. But of it's all just, the songs to, to re like. It's, she it's, danced. First of all, OK, Diesel's wearing that pink dress. Right. Which I'm old and I still love that dress. And she's so lovely. That actress died, I think, last year. I don't remember what her name was, but she died like a year ago and she was so lovely. And she, you know, and the dancing in the rain in a gazebo, that was everything for me when I was a kid. That was like every romantic fantasy of mine, my young self, all in one scene. And it's lush and it's beautiful. And it is the only case where the movie version is a gajillion times better than the actual show. I've seen the actual show. It's pretty dreadful. Not even Grease. I would, I would say Grease is a better movie version than the uh, I show version. I have issues with the movie Grease. I, I'm the one American who thinks that that's such crap. Okay. okay. The movie okay. is different than the show. I like the show more than I like the movie. But that's neither here nor there. So I have all these great memories of the sound of music, of act and watching it with my friends and just kind of getting swept away. So I can't really objectively as a film. But I will at the end of the podcast. Fantastic. Because I grew up and I saw... Uh, Dr. Zhivago, and I was like, damn. Mm -hmm. Yes, Dr. Zhivago was nominated for 10 Academy Awards. Picked up five. What were they? It picked up Best Art Direction, which can't fail. The Best Cinematography, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Costume Design, and Best Score by Mr. Maurice Jarre, who is long gone, but if I had somebody score my life, I would want it to be Maurice Shar. Yes. The soundtrack was one of the most successful soundtracks released at the time because of Lara's theme. Uh, the infectious, very iconic piece of music. But uh, all the music in it, though. But even oh, if, yeah, you start, if you start watching, and I always say this, if you watch, start watching the movie, when the credits start, that whole piece of music before it transitions into Lara's theme that has been sweeping through my brain for at least two weeks now. Mm -hmm. And just... uh, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a personal note, uh, my wife is named Lara, and it's great. She's, she's, it's awesome. But nobody quite understands that. They go, Lara? Like, no, 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 no. It's Lara. And depending on who I'm talking to, 
Usually, am I talking to another guy, or am I talking to to a woman? It's to a guy. It's like it's no, it's Lara, like Tomb Raider, like Tomb Raider, Lara Croft. If it's talking, I'm talking to a woman, Lara, like Lara's theme from Doctor Zhivago, and they go, oh. like, yeah, you see, you see, people people get that even if they haven't necessarily seen the movie, they know the music, and a very well deserved win there. Uh, fun fact, I believe that David Lean actually found the music too schmaltzy and sentimental. Used it anyways because they paid for it, but uh, Lean, I gotta say, your uh, your idea of schmaltz watching the movie, I'm like, I, I, I question it, but ultimately I think Jar was in the right in this one. because that is a thousand percent correct. Like, it totally fits in with that movie. Is it a little overused? Maybe. But I'm gonna let it slide because it's, it's just theme song a little bit, but the, but like I said, but there's so much. It, it's it almost bothers me that that's all people remember by it. But like I said, that whole opening in the credits before Lara's theme is just as lush mm. and beautiful and sweeping and totally gets you in that zone yep. to sit through a pretty long movie. Pretty long movie, three hours twenty minutes thereabouts. What were the other five nominations for Doctor Zhivago? Best Picture. Obviously, Best that's why we're talking about it. Best Supporting Actor for Bryce. I don't know. Courtney? Or is yeah. it just Courtney? I think it's Courtney. Who is Pasha Antipov, later Strelnikov. Best Director for the great David Lean. Best Editing and Best Sound. Mm-hmm. Can't argue with most of those, despite the movie being very long. It's actually edited very well. David Lean on questions. I think yes. it has a great pacing. I think there's only one part where the movie seems a little bit slow, and that's it in a three-and-a-half-hour movie. Right. That's great. But I also have my own little list of what it could have won and nominated for, but we can save them for later. Well, no, we can, we can save them for right now because there, uh, there are a few things that are missing there, such as Best Actress Julie Christie, who actually would win that year for the movie Darling, and create the miniskirt craze. Go figure. Yeah. Lovely. Julie Christie, one of the like icons of the 60s. This was kind of like her, her big thing. The blonde hair, the blue eyes. God, she's so gorgeous. It's... It almost, it's almost painful to look at how beautiful she is in this movie, because in this movie, she has her hair pulled back, and she's wearing like turtlenecks. Right. And scarves that cover most of her face and these long skirts. And yet she's still the most stunning, beautiful <laughs> woman on the entire planet. And I'm like, if we can only see part of your nose and your eyes and you're that beautiful. Well, her, well, her I mean, her eyes are really gorgeous. I mean, you're just looking at that, you're like, it's, get lost in those. It's so unfair. It's so unfair. <laughs> yeah. But she is. She's all covered up. She's not dressed. I mean, in Darling, she's wearing like little bikinis and stuff like that because she plays a model. But in this, it's she's all covered up, yeah. and she's still just the most beautiful thing. You can Proper see Russian. why every man would fall in love with her. Right. Right. Uh, speaking of every, of every man, Omar Sharif, uh, the titular doctor who gets sixth billing in the on the credits or something ridiculous oh, you have issues and i want to go back like buy the rights to the movie re-edit it and either have it as all of the characters and then and omar sharif as dr Zhivago at the end right or he gets top billing and then everybody else but even then they show all the actors and he's not even on that first list no, he's that on the second list Somewhere in the middle, but closer to the bottom. And I was like, what the hell, David Lee? Right. I think I remember watching it. Wrong. Go, I remember watching it going, like, is this I think this is an alphabetical order, and that's some bullshit because we're gonna I think we can I think we know the the issue there is that Omar Sharif is not a white guy. He is he he passes for one. You're like, oh he's clearly just like he's a Russian dude. He's not. And that would be weird. Like you can't have Omar Sharif, titan of cinema, <laughs> of Middle Eastern cinema, headlining a movie like this. You just can't. You can't. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's some, some like, studio politic bullshit. It makes me so, like, irrationally angry. <laughs> like, my blood's boiling a little bit just thinking about this. 
And where was his best actor nominated? That's what I'm talking about. That's what, that's what we're saying. We're saying you missed out on that. Like he, uh, you know, it's a uh... amazing. He is an amazing actor. Yes, everything indeed. I've seen him, and I've only seen him in three things, but he was wonderful in all of them. What's the third thing? Lawrence best... Arabia. This. Lawrence Arabia, Funny Girl. Oh yeah. yeah. Funny girl. Nikki Arnstein. Nikki Arnstein. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Beautiful, beautiful name. And uh, finally, I think uh, I think missing out on Rod Steiger for Best Supporting Actor for Komarovsky. I've got two more. Yeah, two more. Whoa. First of all, I don't think, again, the, sometimes when you think about a movie and then you look at who was nominated, and very quickly, sort of like in The Apartment, that the guy who played the doctor was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, but like not Fred McMurray. That was weird. Just oh, like, that. What? And when you think about this movie and then you go look at the nominations and you see, okay, Pasha was nominated. Okay. But that Rod Steiger, who does so much heavy lifting in the movie, was not nominated. I would also nominate Geraldine Chaplin. Mm -hmm. And I would nominate it for makeup and hair. Because when Sharif is in the, when Dr. Zhivago comes in from the cold and he's literally got icicles on his mustache, he looks like he just came in from frost i mean that yeah. they look beaten down and freezing cold and the hair and the makeup definitely. a very cold movie i just i just i just wanted to it was 80 degrees when i watched this over a couple exactly. days and i'm like i just want a hot like hot chocolate just please please help but like in the aging and the icicles on his eye you know and it's subtle nice. but that nice. scene there's a scene and we'll probably skip ahead when he looks in the mirror when he gets back to lara's house after yeah. he's walked home and he looks at himself and his eyes are like bloodshot and he just looks beaten and ragged. It's very powerful. It's, uh, it's, it's great visual storytelling from one of the great visual storytellers in the history of the medium, David Lean, of course. Uh, so, <sighs> Dr. Zhivago went 50-50 uh, went on that. Most, most of the things it lost, it lost to... Sound of Music, though I think Best Supporting Actor was uh, uh, not coming to me now, but... Oh, anyways. wasn't it for A Thousand Clowns? Yes, a thousand, thank you, A Thousand Clowns. Also nominated for Best Picture. Another why movie. you keep me on. That is, I have a book top of my head. <laughs> literally in arm's reach, and I'm just not even, not even looking at it, because it would make sound, and can't have that. Anyways, we've gabbed enough. Let's take a break and then talk Dr. Zhivago. Are you the poet? Yes. I used to admire your poetry. Thank you. I shouldn't admire it now. I should find it absurdly personal. Don't you agree? Feelings, insights, affections, it's suddenly trivial now. You don't agree. You're wrong. The personal life is dead in Russia. History has killed it. I can see how you might hate me. I hate everything you say, but not enough to kill you for it. You have a brother? Yevgra? Yevgra, yes, the policeman. I didn't know that. Perhaps not, a secret policeman. Did he send you here? Yevgra? Oh, Yevgra's a Bolshevik. I don't know anything about these things. Oh, you know a great deal. When you came in, you recognized me. How? Has someone shown you photographs? No. I am certain that you recognized me. I've seen you before, Commander. When? Six years ago. Go on. Christmas Eve, you... You were there? Or has someone told you this? I attended to the man who was injured by your wife. Why do you call her my wife? I met her again. We served together on the Ukrainian front. If she's with you, I'm sure she'll vouch for me. I haven't seen her since the war. She's in Uriatin. Uriatin? The private life is dead. For a man with any manhood. 
most folks may be unfamiliar with the plot of Dr. Zhivago. So, Amy, what is the movie about? It is a sweeping saga of the changes in Russia from the revolution to the Civil War mm-hmm. and it how it affects a single man, a doctor and a poet, and his life and his love. Wouldn't we all want to be a doctor and a poet? Delightful. Um, we're going to start, start with the background. It's a film that takes place during the uh, early days of the revolution, to the revolution itself, killing of the czar, into, onto the, uh, the, the civil war that you know, really sent the, sent, the, sent the Russians to, uh, towards their Soviet communism and all the hardships that that entailed. What? You're a fan of Russian literature. How familiar are you with the history of the Russian Revolution? Pretty familiar with it. Okay. And what I think this movie does is, for those of you who don't know, brief little history lesson on Russia coming up. Here we go. Um, the way that Russia was set up was if you were rich and you owned land or you were the czar, life was really, really sweet. Everyone else was basically a serf, and that meant that you were technically a slave working on someone else's land. Mm-hmm. So eventually, they're like, you know what? This really sucks. And the czar is also this really terrible guy who did all of the pogroms and killed lots of Jewish people and, you know, exiled Jews from Russia. So don't feel too bad for him when he and his whole family end up getting executed by people who were justifiably angry and how the world was. This is not to say necessarily that the communists were all great because this movie also shows the dark side of communism, but lots and lots of angry poor people can really change things around. You have a revolution brewing. You have a revolution. And Dr. Zhivago is in the upper class, so obviously the revolution is looked on as badly, which is why Boris Pasternak could not published this in his native country. It was published in Italy and he was given the Nobel Prize and he was not allowed to accept it. Wow. The, film, yeah, Russia. the film was not shown in Russia until well after the fall. I think in 1996 was the first time it was ever viewed on, uh, in Russian soil. Uh, the, so with that having been said, it was filmed actually in Spain for uh, filled in for nearly all of the locations, Spain and Canada. I believe was where they filmed it, and a gorgeous, gorgeous country is a gorgeous country. So that is a oh so brief primer on the basics Fair. of the of the revolution. There are waging competing forces. There's the the whites and the reds. The reds end up uh, winning. There's the Stalinist purge of the 1930s, where most of our characters end up. There just hardships all all around. It's the my the issue I have with uh, with communism is that it fails to take into account human nature a lot of the times, and maybe that is a simplification of the criticisms of uh, communism itself and and Russia. But it just you know you can't personal life. Not the whole point of the movie is that they were like it's selfish. It's selfish to have love. It's selfish to have a family. Everything has to be for for the, the state. Yeah, and it, that uh, that I think that. There needs to be a balance, and uh, communism sort of tipped too far to, to one side, and I think that's what the the film is attempting to show you through the eyes of Dr. Yuri Zhivago, who we don't meet quite yet at the beginning. At the beginning, we meet Yevgrif, who was played by Alec Guinness, who is Zhivago's half-brother, and I have issues with this, but we'll get to that. He is looking for... Yuri's daughter, who is uh, Tanya? Yes. Yes, Tanya Kamarov, who is a working at a Russian power plant, a Russian dam, actually, and he's questioning. He's questioning questioning her, and so he's kind of he's somewhat of the narrator of the movie, sort of. When there is narration, he's the one doing it. Uh, how do you view the framing device of this as a uh, as a uncle searching for a niece by way of telling the uh, the story of the niece's potential father? I think it was a very clever way of framing it. I mean, the beginning of this book starts just at the beginning. 
just the begin just just like just like the framing and then a flashback i think it's effective i think it's a very quick way of establishing like okay so this may be the daughter of this doctor and this This woman and clearly there's a tragedy involved because she doesn't remember either of her parents right and and like let's be honest this is russian literature we're talking about nobody ends up happy in any Russian story yeah, ever. Yeah, I, I think that's part of the thing that draws me. That and the fact that they all go by 15 names. That, I never liked that about it. But I am an ignorant American, so so what do I know? I, I am conflicted about the framing device because it really only shows up at the beginning. Getting an end, like that's when we see that's when we see Guinness in this particular situation with with the daughter, and when Guinness does talk about things, there's this weird fucking scene where Alec Guinness and Omar Sharif are meeting for the first or meeting for the very first time. We have never seen these characters interact. Either their younger versions or their older versions have ever interacted before. And it's like they've never met each other. It, they've never met each other. They've. It seems like Doctor like Yuri has almost no knowledge of this. He's barely the Yevgraf is barely mentioned, and yet they are. Yuri's like, oh my god, my half brother. Great, great. It's it's awesome. And like I'm saying, like it's half brother, but still at the same time, like nothing, yeah. nothing came. There was no mention of this at all. That feels like bad screenwriting. And what also feels like bad screenwriting is that. They are absolutely telling you everything that happens in this scene while the scene is happening. It's like it's like they had terrible. It's like they had terrible sound when Alec Guinness and Omar Sharif were were meeting, and so they had to cover it up by okay, uh, we didn't get anything. Alec Guinness, just tell it. Just we're just gonna we're just gonna fast forward through all of this. Like okay, I'm your brother, and this is this is what's happening, and you know, like I can help you, et cetera, et cetera. It's it feels amateurish in its execution which is very out of place because this is a david lean movie and david lean movies are immaculate screenplay who's one of the greatest screenwriters right and i i it's just expectations robert bolton you did not live up to them seriously but a lot of the issues i have with the movie are in the glossing over of things happening glossing over the relationship between between the brother and brother is one thing and then they mention like later on they mention that um tanya geraldine chaplin and her children are in france as part of some like rogue emigre group and i'm like that sounds great let's go there and find it and we never do they mentioned all these things which i assume are in the book and never follow up on them giving it of Giving it a sense of we just we're not we're not really distilling this down to uh, to the story it needs to be. We're taking chunks of what we want and just sliding them together and leaving out the rest of the story for characters that are actually important. It, the focus is at times jarring in this because it's like it's kind of Yevgraf's story, but it's not. During the first hour rewatching this, because I haven't seen it in, in a long time, I was I, I kept asking, "There will be Doctor Zhivago in this movie called Doctor Zhivago, right?" Because right now I'm getting a lot of Rod Steiger and Julie Christie, and that's great because uh, Rod Steiger is just killing and for killing me, everything. That's, my favorite parts of the movie are the beginning and then much later. Right. I've, I'm a big fan of the, like, beginning, the beginning, beginning is great, even though it's unfocused. The middle is great because finally Lean gets to do his epic sweeping war shit, and he's oh, awesome and then, at that. And then, and then, then the end, and then the end, it becomes the schmaltzy romance, and you're like, ah, but then Kamarovsky returns. Schmaltzy romance, but that's the thing, and it's, it's hard because there is so much. There's so much because it's getting into the history of Russia, which right. but it's but it's doing it in such a simple way that I can't. I, it's it's hard. It's hard to uh, some some critics were saying it's it's they boil the Russian Revolution down to a series of inconveniences, such as 
Uh, you know, he can't find firewood. He, you know, can't seats on a train are very difficult. When it's when I think really what Javago is supposed to be doing, he's supposed to be taking us through the revolution. But he always—it's still—he still never seems to really be affected by it. Uh, despite you know, despite having to go through all these hardships, he's just—he's just—he's just bouncing along like a bumbling idiot that he is. <laughs> he's sort of the forest gump. Yeah. And also, seriously, where, does nobody even try a Russian accent? Nobody. They're just like, no. Nah, we're just Alec Guinness. Is like, I'm doing an English accent. I'm Alec Guinness. Fuck no, you. I respect that choice because if you can't do a Russian accent, just scrap it. If you can't do a Russian accent, don't try and appear in a very Russian. There's no book. actual. There's no actor in the entire movie who has any ancestry with Russia. I know. I, it's 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 weird, and but, I'm I'm not I'm not going to claim like only Russians should be in Russian movies because that's just that's absurd. But Alec Guinness. Come on, like I like I do I do I do I get Rod do I get I, Rod Steiger not even not even giving a shit. Alec Guinness. Hmm? Yeah. Faisal Alec Guinness. Yeah. Or uh, Jewish uh, Fagan Alec Guinness. <laughs> like okay, fair enough. Fair stick enough. Stick him in a lot of places where he does not belong, he and not I think belong. out of all of the roles that he's played, playing Yevgraf is his least offensive. <laughs> I will cop to that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so um on you know what you know what I you know what I found the most interesting parts of this movie was the uh when they focused on Kamarovsky, played by the great Rod Steiger, and Pasha, uh, uh Courtney, who would later go on to become Strelnikov. Honestly, when I was watching this, because I most of this movie kind of faded in my mind. I just knew it as like, oh, this is a really good movie. And, you know, they talk about Strelnikov, Strelnikov, Strelnikov. I'm like, oh, who's I like? I should Wikipedia Strelnikov. Like, who is that? Who is that? And then when they, then when you see Pasha on the train with that cool scar, I'm like, oh shit, Pasha's alive. Oh, he's become a bad guy. This is so cool. Yes, awesome. I uh, the what I like about him is that they these two these two men represent the revolution itself. They are they are actually in there changing stuff for better or worse usually for worse especially in pasha's case who becomes this like hardened criminal basically a psychopath who's going around mur- murdering people just burning villages because of uh because it's the wrong village yeah like oh well they must have done something wrong like that is very interesting because he's this this great you know he has this He's an idealist. He believes in the revolution, and now he's getting caught up in the in the things that really made the revolution fail after so short a time, and would continue to you know dominate Russian life. Very interesting. Very interesting stuff. I and I wish they would focus on that because I like characters who really try and affect their their story. They 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 go about and they actively move the plot because Doctor Zhivago. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna admit it right here. You heard it here. Dr. Zhivago, and I'm sorry for these words, he's a little bitch. He's a little bitch who just goes along, gets swept up in history. The only thing he ever does really is is say, Lara, I can't see you anymore, and that's when he gets that's when he finally faces faces some punishment by getting picked up by the uh the partisans. But I could like I get we're supposed to really like Doctor Zhivago and he's you know he's there are parts of him you can't you can't not like Omar Sharif or what he does he's he's oh. great he's watchable he's just like so charismatic everything and thoughtful about him. but I the character I just didn't like because he was just there he was kind of he was a more interesting version of Oliver who's another character who's just there while more interesting shit happens around him. Okay, I disagree with that. Okay. I think I agree with a little bit of what you're saying. The thing about Pasha, and I think that's his role in the movie though, is that Zhivago is the opposite of Pasha. He wants to be a doctor. That's it. That's all he wants to do. He wants to be a doctor. And he writes poetry. And he loves poetry. And his whole 
existence is about the personal life, his love, his family, his writing, healing people. Pasha is the opposite. Pasha, his personal life, he's an awful husband. He's an awful father. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't care. And what's funny is that at the beginning of the movie, we meet the great Rod Steiger, who, again, Academy, what were you thinking? Not nominating him for this part. Right. He's such a skis, and you see him seduce this young girl. And at the beginning, when he's because you haven't seen the whole movie yet, and he's sitting, and Pasha and Lara are so in love, and aren't they so pretty? And he basically sends Pasha away and says, Lara, do not marry this man. There's two kinds of men in the world. He's too idealist. He can never really give himself to you. Right. Run. And at that point in the movie, you're like, oh, he's such an asshole. Like, screw you, Rod Steiger. Screw him. I love the idealistic, young, handsome, strapping Pasha who's all full of passion and wanting to you know, take down the man. And, and you feel like that. But guess what happens? Komarovsky's a thousand percent correct. Yeah. He, Komarovsky is the most interesting character. Correct. And you're like, and you hate him, but he's completely right. Then later in the movie, he comes and finds Javago and Lara and says, look, you need to get out of Russia. I have two passes. Let's go. Right. You're in danger. And they're like, screw you. You're a jerk. I hate you. You know, you ruined me when I was a young girl and all these other things. But guess who was right? And guess what they really should have done? Gone with Tom Ross. And he gives them sugar. And I'm like, get on the train. Like, like, then he comes at the end and says, again, you need to leave. They are watching you. I understand yeah. your girl on the cob is dead. He's Lara is unprotected now. And he says, Stronlikov is dead. And again, they're both like, we're never going to leave with you. And then Komarovsky's like, Lara, step out for a minute. And he says to Shivago, she's going to be killed. Why do you think they saved her from the past? It's because they were going to use her to entrap him. And she did. And she served her purpose. But she's still married to him. Whether it makes sense or not, she's still married to him. They're going to kill her. Get her out of Russia. Right. Again, he's correct. Yeah, he's yeah. Yeah. Lara's a little bit of a bitch about it when right. she's on the train. And she goes, as if he would ever go with you. And you're like, bitch, he's getting you out of town. Maybe show a little bit of gratitude. Right. And also that's and that and that's where that's where Zhivago and Pasha are actually very similar. They are both uh, unbending in what, regardless of their ideology. They're both they both they, like they determine. I don't like this. Uh, Javago says, "I don't like this Komarovsky guy." Justifiably so. Let's be, let's be real. Komarovsky is a terrible person, but he is a very practical person, and you know, deep down, he does he does care in his own fucked up, twisted way. And he pa- saves and life. That's all. Yeah, that's yeah, and, and 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 like it's like you you have time. You you will have time for your. You do not have time for your morality when there's a gun to your head and you're about to be shot like that, like your morality is going to get you killed. And I know that sucks and it's terrible. And there's something noble about Zhivago saying, saying, no, I'm not going with you. But at the same time, you're like, dude, come on. Just Komarovsky says that he goes, great. You're so high and mighty. Are you going to kill a woman and a child? Right. Because of your morality, like how moral is that? Yuri Zhivago. Yeah, it's in, in like, and that that's that's this is where the film gets really interesting when it talks about the how much one has to compromise for one's safety in a world that to Zhivago to Komarovsky has gone mad. Like the entire yeah. the entire social order has been up turn upended and thrown out, and they're, rem- they're remaking it kind of like slapdash, and it's proving to be kind of terrible and horrible, and you, it, really it's about safety. And that, like, that's where it's interesting. Uh, when it's about Zhivago whining that, oh, I'm married to Geraldine Chaplin, how am I ever going to survive without Julie Christie? I just want to hit him because, dude, 
and I had to get her this dress. She's gorgeous. You gotta. She's an amazing one. She's so, and she is the most. Come in. We need to talk about Yeah, we do. We do. We do now. Let's let's talk. You have a you have you have a question uh, to, for me about this. What's going on? About Rod Steiger's character. Okay. He ends up raising Javaga's child. He does. He does. How can we continue? And the thing is, the movie it's like we're supposed to think he's a villain. Guess who ends up saving Laura's life and raising his kid? Not Doctor Javago. It, it's gonna, yeah. Doctor Javago doesn't raise any of his kids. No, she just getting back. Just whines about shit. Tanya is just disgusting. This is a girl who has been rich and pampered and spoiled and highly educated and wears beautiful clothes and really should just be pampered and spoiled. She's not though. No. When she's, t- she, she's tough Russian lady. When she because he leaves and he's gone for a long time and while he's gone and writing her letters about oh. I this woman named Lara Antipov and she's so wonderful and she is just the greatest thing ever and the whole time I'm like why are you feeling you need to share this with your wife she's holding down the fort which is getting taken over by Russian her home which is being taken over by Russians and she's dealing with it and she's raising your son and the part where I first really thought that he was an asshole was when he finally comes home to her and she's still beautiful even though she's wearing this plain little like house dress and this little coat and he comes in and he's like, God, why is it so cold in here, Tanya? What's like, wrong with you? No wonder yeah. the boy's losing weight. No wonder he's losing weight. And she just sort of says, there's no more firewood. And she just sort of goes behind a little curtain and starts to cry. And her father's like, uh, yeah, dumbass. She keeps the fire going while you're home. And we all go without during the day. And don't bother you with it because God forbid we should bother dad with there's no heat in the house. Right. And I was like, every time I see that scene, I'm like, wow, you feel like an asshole right now, don't you? And and you should. And she's and, all she and she's also great because Javago gets taken by the, the partisan red company. For two years he's gone. And she goes looking for him and goes to Yuriatin, where lo and behold, there's Lara Antipov there, who that hey, that nurse that you were were like working in that hospital for that a long you time. That's so amazing, and that the entire town knows where to find her. Uh huh, and knows what you've been up to. And oh, and you know what? I uh, we I, I left you a letter here, and yeah, that Lara Antipov, she's she's pretty great. Like. Oh, and how oh, would, as a husband, how would you feel getting that letter? I mean, I would feel uh, devastated because I'm terrible at keeping secrets and I have a guilty, guilty conscience. So I would try to never make sure I was never in that situation that. I mean, again. And, and uh, yeah, that would, be, that would it would reaffirm that you know what, my wife is the better person, really, in any scenario. And I got, and I don't deserve her at all. She is a beautiful. I mean, first of all, stunning. Don't even. She's just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Sweet, loving, devoted. I mean, she genuinely loves him. She yeah. Supports, she supports him, and that she still says to him like, "My darling love," and that his first reaction is not to like walk to Paris and like beg her forgiveness. Right. No. He's never gonna leave Russia. Why? Why? I, I, he's I, useless in Russia. He's 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 useless. He's useless everywhere. I don't understand. Like when he when at the end when Rod Steiger Kamarowski comes and takes takes Lara away and there's the whole issue with you know you can't fit all the people on the sled and you know Javago will come will come by later. I have to go. Pay, I have to go get my bag. Right. Or <laughs> some 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 contrived bullshit and. I think it, the film really wants you to feel like, oh, he's never going to see her again, and you know he, ha- he like he has to has to leave her. But when you think about it, why does he have to stay? Why did? Wait, why? Okay, and the, like he doesn't. So he doesn't go with Lara. Like, oh, he's going to go. He's going to go to Paris, right? Because clearly that's where that's where his wife is, and she's in trouble. She's with some dangerous emigre organization. Like, sure, let's let's have another half hour of that of of that movie because. 
Yeah, that's yeah, your actual like married to son and sort of stepdad who raised you and took care of you. They're all they're all in Paris. And what but what what does he do? He bitches out. He he doesn't he goes after neither. He just just resigned and just waffles through the rest of his miserable stupid life. This is where it's different in the book though. Oh, is in it? Book, in the book, there's some like other woman that he goes and stays with. I don't know if he actually has a love affair with her, but like there's some other woman and he's with her for a while. Yeah, Just to good, kind of good lord, I get it. He's I get it. That mustache does things. And just like I feel like, God, I, I wish I could pull off that mustache, Omar Sharif. But you rock a mustache. I no, I I, I really can't. It's a it, mustache, but it is in fact a mustache. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's just. I don't want to shave all the time because, because I'm a wolf man. It just grows back quickly. But he, has- you know, but see, but see, no. This, this is him. Like he doesn't. This is Shivago. He doesn't choose anything. He just says, "Well, Lyra's gone because I'm not going with that that Komarovsky, and I stuck it to him. Ha ha ha." And oh, Paris is far, and it's hard to get out of the country. So I'm not going to do anything. And eight years later, I'm going to die pathetically on the streets of Moscow. We're here now at, uh, at this end. We're just talking about what do, you, what do you make of the, what I will call the Padme Amidala dying of a broken heart, but slightly better because it's actually a heart attack death scene. That was, that was, that was a Revenge of the Sith it's, reference. I've never seen it. Oh my God. Damn it, woman. Anyways, what do you I make of his death scene? Other Star Wars movies I've seen are straight. Um... It's kind of a cop-out ending. Yeah. And it's, and of course, not only does he die of a heart attack on the street, but he sees Lara slash thinks he sees her. Yeah, he sees a, he sees a, he sees a blonde, blue-eyed Russian woman, and that does only... not narrow it down at all. <laughs> he, at, at the very least, he thinks it's her, but I kept trying to squint, and like I kept rewinding it to be like, is that actually her, or is he like hallucinating? But he thinks he sees her, and everyone else sees him falling on the street, except for her. Somehow she totally misses it. Mm-hmm. And he just, like, drops dead. And just drops dead. But it's this, it's this overly dramatic... Like, hitting the window, and, like, he can't talk, and it's just so... Very silent movie. Yeah, it's... It's, it's amateurish. And I will say, David Lean... Like the David Lean we know is a he's very good when it comes to the man shit. Lawrence of Arabia is it's like a it's, war, it's a British soldier who rides across the goddamn desert that nobody said he could and like because Moses did and it's like Sorry, it's, it's like it's very it's very he's a very masculine filmmaker. Bridge on the River Kwai, Lawrence of Arabia have no women in them. No women of consequence, at least. And sure, we can say that's a problem. But I think, I think David Lean loses just a little something. And I admit I have not seen all of his his, his oeuvre when it's when he when he has to focus on the on the feminine on the on the loves on the love story aspect. Because I don't think he's all that interested in that. Because the most because the most interesting stuff about this is the the revolution stuff. The stuff with Steiger, really, all, really, all of that. Anytime he, anytime we break away from the love story, is when the pep in this film really comes back. And I'm, I was wondering your thoughts on that because you've seen more of, uh, more, 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 more David Lean than I have. Uh, can, like, is, is it just, is it just this particular movie that he is fumbling the, 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 fe- the feminine side, or is it, uh, is it a trait? See, I don't really, I, I disagree, and I think this is kind of the interesting male-female perspective, is it sort of reminds me of War and Peace, which has all this romance and these relationships and stuff, and then spotted in between these scenes of, like, wars and battles and Tolstoy giving you his philosophy. Mm-hmm. The parts in War and Peace that I really loved were the love stories and the relationships and all that stuff. And when we got to the philosophy and the battles, I kind of flipped through the pages a little bit faster. <laughs> and in Dr. Zhivago, 
I felt that the love story and the relationships between all the characters were the interesting parts and the parts were like they're on the trains and that's what all my mother remembers about this movie. I love her. She's like, not the one when there's a lot of snow and like they're always on trains <laughs> And I said I wanna say yes, yes, but missing the point. <laughs> and the only time and the only times the movie felt long was when they were go- like when they left Moscow to go to Barikino and it's like they were on a train and then they had to stop and then they stopped again and I see I, I see I see I I I, I, I love that I love that stuff that was that was very interesting stuff because it it, it gave you a hint, a hint of the world and you're right that probably is like I'm a dude and you're and you're a woman feminine but I loved when you know when she started having her affair with Rod Steiger and you're like why is she doing this and she doesn't really know either oh it's uh, yeah, it's, and it's so it's so gross. And her mother, which we never then, see, who we never see again, by the way. Another yeah, episode. and you know, her mother tries to commit suicide. That to me, really interesting stuff. I love when they go into that ice palace, and you know, and yeah, just, that to me is all the interesting parts of the movie. So, yeah, you mentioned the ice palace, and we do have to talk that. Uh, one thing I certainly cannot fault this movie for is looking spectacular. That scene at Barikino, where it's just it's been snowed in and boarded up so long that it's become ice. I if that is not one of the most brilliant bits of set direct decoration in cinema history, I don't know what is. It is so beautiful. I had I had to I had to stop and go. Oh, that's cold, and that is absolutely gorgeous. David Lean, he, master visualist, certainly. Uh, there are, you know, you know, you have the sweeping sunsets, you have the columns of, of infantrymen just walking through, you know, walking towards the horizon. It's, it's beautiful. Has the, visually, has the film held up over the last 50, 50 oh, years? Without even a question. And I think what was tough about this year at the Academy Awards is, People can say that the sound of music is schmaltzy or whatever. I'm not going to argue it. I, I will. personally I love will it. I will say it. No, and the thing is, and I still love it. It doesn't, like, offend me. I'm not going to be like, no, it's actually very deep and provocative. It's not. It's it's a beautiful film, though. Yes. And it's beautifully, the scenes in the convent and stuff. I mean, it's equally a visually beautiful film when they're filming in Austria and Vienna and Salzburg. And it's just, it's gorgeous. Dr. Zhivago, a thousand percent, earns that Art Direction movie because one of the few things I remember the first time I watched him is really just that ice palace and just takes mm-hmm. your breath away yeah. every single time. The movie is not a dated film. It's a historical film. It is not a dated film. Yeah. And it I is, wish more movies would be made like that. It, it is um, yeah, a stunning, it, it's, it's a stunning tribute to old-fashioned filmmaking they're on set they're on location uh nobody nobody does it like david lean it's not glossy though no no it's not and you really and you had said this in your both of your podcasts when you did bridge on the river Kwai and when you did lawrence of arabia you had commented on you could feel the humidity in the jungle Mm -hmm. when you You watch bridge you feel sweaty and sticky watching it you feel the mosquitoes biting you and the, the scorpions and Oh, gross. And then when you saw Lawrence of Arabia, you felt the heat. Visuals of the desert. You feel the dryness and just your skin feels dry and weathered and beaten down. This, you feel cold. Yeah. All the time. And whether it's when they're talking and you can feel the breath, the, the hair, the makeup, the costumes, all of it. Everything about it was like, this is a cold place, which made it so beautiful when they were in breaking out in the spring and there's all the yellow daffodils mm-hmm. and yeah, it's, there, it's, yeah, there, it's amazing. I yeah. turn into such a David Lean fan girl when I talk about these movies. No, no. It's, so- like, visually he's, he's unassailable. And there, there's this one scene where it's focused on the, the frost on a mirror on a, on a window. And then it, it like fades to Lara's face and then it fades to the, the daffodils. Gosh, he's reading the letter. Yeah, and you're just you're like, oh my God. And you go in and you're like, why am I looking at this window? But there's a candle on the inside. Right. That's like that's like melted a little bit. It's making the ice melt in 
the window and it starts to slowly and you can still see it fade and it starts to slowly kind of open up. You still see the moisture on the window mm-hmm. and it's her and it's Pasha reading the letter where she's confessed that she's had an affair and that's why she shot Gomorovsky. And it is, it's like you're peeking in a window and who else can do that? It, which is why I don't want this movie to ever get remade because it would be all slick and glossy and I don't want slick and glossy. I want the way that Dave Lean did it. It'll, it'll be all slick and glossy and star and star and star Kiara Knightley, who you hate. Oh, oh I'm such an irrational man. Her jaw bothers me. It's a, she does this thing with her jaw. Really nice really jaw. Guts it out. She's terrible. I hate her mouth. I hate her. I hope all of her movies fail. I do not like her. Wow. And I don't know who she thinks she is. Let me tell you something. Do you think, who do you think you are? Natalie Portman or something? Come on. Yeah. Totally. If I want beautiful, wafy actresses, give me Natalie Portman who can actually act. Okay. And she gets all these great roles. Anna Karenina. F you. What did you say? She's a wafy Russian lady. Sure. She's going to... Of course of course, she'll do that. All right. Fine. Okay, we're winding down. Winding down. Uh, Dr. Zhivago. Did it deserve to win Best Picture at the Academy Awards over The Sound of Music? Oh, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. It's a brilliant adaptation of the book. It's a beautiful film. It still totally holds up. And even if, as we talk about, uh, this was a little weak and that was a little, could have gone in a little more detail. I don't even care. This is still one of the greatest movies ever made, hands down. Okay, okay. I believe in the Sound of Music podcast, I said that, yeah, Dr. Zhivago should have won. And it's not that... I think this is a case where neither film really excites me. Certainly, Dr. Zhivago, I was, I was struck by, this is not doing it for me the way it did, it did for me back in, the, back in the day. Neither film excites me so much, but I would give the edge slightly to Dr. Zhivago. Slightly to Dr. Zhivago. Although, the music and sound of music does, it makes a very strong case for, for being up there even as the sound of music is like a lifelong like passion of mine i think it pales in comparison yeah i like ultimately i think dr zhivago feels it's not the most complete movie but it feels more complete and you know well structured than the sound of music is because i really i really just can't stand the oh and then the, then then all the bad stuff happens two hours into it and we have another hour to go with all the nazis i I don't quite like that. So yeah, I'll give I'll give it to Zhivago, but mostly uh, mostly on the weakness of Sound of Music and not necessarily on the strength of Zhivago. So ah, uh, you know, it's in you know, in very yeah, very. Movie, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little. I mean, this movie is for me. It is a 100 percent one of the greatest movies. One top of my ten, favorite. top ten on the Amy Thompson 100 or what? top fifty. Top fifty. Okay. Not okay. Top ten. Okay, so it's like so it's like twenty five to twenty five to forty nine thereabouts somewhere in there top fifty. That's that's what people say when they say top fifty. It's like you know, yeah. otherwise it'd be top twenty five. Yeah. yeah, no, it's not my top. Okay, okay, well that has been fun. I'm 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 glad we got to talk about this one. Especially, it's nice to nice to feel something cold in the 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 heat of the summer that we are currently in. Thank you so much for listening. If you have thoughts on Dr. Zhivago, please let us know. Write us at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com or find us on social media. Find Amy. She will she will talk to you on Facebook till the cows come home about hey. mostly anything before the 1980s. Certainly don't talk to her about Star Wars. She's only seen three. But uh, do find us on Facebook. We love chatting with uh, you, our fans, and you are not fans, too. Such people exist out there. I like to think you don't. Next week, in honor of the sequel, Incredibles 2, we will be watching the best animated film, The Incredibles, uh, as, as part of that. Finally, a movie that I can see in one go. Yay. Uh, looking forward to that. I'm curious to see how this is held up. It's a movie my wife hates. I only saw it once. Oh, this will be interesting. I don't then. remember particularly loving it. I was like, it's nice. Okay, okay. Well, there are some, uh, there are lots of issues with this movie that have been brought up over the years, and I look forward to diving into that with you. Amy Thomason, where can folks find you? Hey, Thomason, 
Eleven on Twitter or on our Facebook page, which I love. Yes, she's great. She's great. You're great. Have fun. And until next time, we'll see you on the red carpet. <laughs>